your favorite fat boys. What's up, everybody? It's your favorite fat boy, Dron. Stefan, a.k.a. Mayhem, a.k.a. your Clonidine Cowboy, a.k.a. the Resurrection of Sigmund Freud. What kind of cowboy again? Clonidine. What that mean? That is a drug for individuals who have some mental disturbances. Oh. Do I need it? Can I take it? What benefits does it have? Mental disturbances. I, mean, I ain't got nothing done. <laughs> you do, but probably not anything that Clonidine is for. Oh boy, welcome to the podcast everybody And happy Thanksgiving Because we're recording this on Thanksgiving Day Seven, what are you uh, thankful for on Thanksgiving Day? Uh, do I need to be thankful for stuff? It's just, just a question <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm thankful that I'm alive Okay, great <laughs> Fantastic uh, Let's see, what am I thankful for? I'm thankful that I'm also alive and somewhat well. I'm thankful for my close friends, uh, Stefan, and I shout them out real quick Tiffany, Mike, Sharina, Jasmine, Dominique. Am I missing somebody? I wouldn't know. Oh, I give you a list of people. Should I look at the list? I look, at the, I, look, I look at the list. This is that's that's terrible. They your friends. I know, right? <laughs> I got everybody. All right. I'm also thankful for my mom and my dad and my brother. Those people I talk to on, on you know on an everyday basis. Just one brother, don't you got two? I got two, yes, but I don't talk to him that often. Not that there's anything going on between us, but when he comes to visit, we know he, he comes up. You know, we, we chit-chat, we hang out as a family, so. But yeah, that's it. So, I have a very small family, so. And what else we got to talk about today? So, let's see. This week, we got the verdict for Kyle Rittenhouse. Found not guilty. On for, all charges. On all charges. On all charges. So. Not he, a one. He paid somebody off. He didn't have to. The judge was on his side from the beginning of the trial. Very much so. I mean, I was kind of felt like the prosecution was on his side from the beginning of the trial too, because they that was a shit show if I've ever seen one. It, it was it was disheartening to see. It remind me of damn, what's that guy's name? Brock something like that is that that swimmer that swimmer oh, who raped, Brock Turner? Yeah, Brock the Turner. rapist. Yeah, the rapist who. Because he was a, he was a swimmer, the judge said, you know, he didn't want to ruin his you know his life his life by you know convicting him of a, of a rape. And it might it might be so much of that because like it was so much white privilege in this way and funny. So, but are we surprised? No, I just it's just kind of like I don't know I don't even be shocked by it. Oh, I wasn't. I mean, I knew what the verdict was going to be. Yeah, as soon as the judge started you know saying the things he was saying and. I just kind of play. and the fact that just Kyle was able to select his own jurors yeah. said a lot. I never seen that before, and you know during the trial, got to pick the jurors out of a box, whatever, whatever. Again, just by the way that the judge went about it, like saying that you can't call the people who were shot victims, but you could call them rioters or arsonists if they were doing that. But if I got shot, if I got shot, I'm not a victim. I, I, I guess not in that state. And the fact that they didn't allow, the judge didn't allow evidence where Kyle posted on social media the day before that he wanted to go shoot looters. The day before he went and shot 
people <laughs> he posted that he wanted to do that. So, yeah. I, yeah, not surprising. Yeah, the fact that this man, this young man, oh boy, Taz's mother driving from a, from whatever state he was from to, was it Wisconsin? Mm-hmm. Yes, Wisconsin. To Kenosha. To Kenosha with the AR-15 over state lines for him to participate and be some kind of vigilante uh, hero. Uh, let's make sure we get the facts straight. He didn't travel across state lines with the gun. When he crossed the state lines, he went and got the gun. Which, oh. which he couldn't legally own or legally purchase. The person bought it and then allowed him to take it. Oh, okay. I thought he traveled with the gun. No, he went and got the gun. So why, God damn, why, so easy for people, why is it so easy for people to get guns they don't need? What's wrong with these gun laws here? Sitting so again, you know, they want to scream self-defense, but if I go looking for a fight and the fight comes to be, am I re- is that really self-defense? No. You can your ass beat. <laughs> but you, again, ho- you hollering self-defense. Not not surprising. Not surprising at all. No. And it is it is crying and it did it did nothing for me. I didn't believe he felt, I didn't I don't believe he was remorseful one bit. Oh gosh, no. I mean, he's a young white supremacist doing what white supremacists do. And now all they're doing is signaling for the other folks that are doing protests. Shoot, motherfuckers. You'll probably get off. Yeah. Unfortunately. <sighs> In other news, we have uh, Elijah McCain. Um, that his family reached a $15 million settlement from the Aurora, Colorado Police Department. So is that a victory? I mean, I, I won't call it a victory because these police payouts, one, they come from taxpayer dollars. Make the police officers and the para, and the paramedics who killed the boy pay. Then I guarantee you'll see a lot of changes in the way they proceed with handling these types of situations. I think it's a good idea. Because, but, again, this is coming from taxpayers. The police officers and the paramedics who, who killed the boy, they won't ever feel it. Yeah, because it's like, why would the whole ordeal with him was just was just crazy within itself, and then the paramedics are giving him some kind of some a shot to sub- subdue him in a sense, yeah, a sedative. Where one, they didn't even remotely measure the dosage. Two, this was an individual who was probably had you know, on the autistic spectrum, and they confronted him. He didn't know what was going on. Mm. They they bring him down. Now he's his brain is going all over the place trying to figure out what the hell's going on. I mean, if you listen to the video and how he was like, you know, I, I you know, I'm just like you. I'm just a little different. And he pleaded for his life and, yeah. and he still died. So again, 15 million is great for the family, but it doesn't bring back a person's life. And then the police officers and the paramedics who killed the boy, they don't ever feel it. Yeah. And then it's also too, is what changes bring to the police department or to that community there as far as like, how is this being handled? Right. If you're handling, if you're a person who's autistic, there should be some kind of training involved to kind of, I guess, you know, to learn, you know, to know how to approach this person. I mean, the fact of the matter was is that it was he, he wasn't even the person of interest that they were looking for. He wasn't. No, yeah, he, wasn't. No, he, he, he wasn't. They got a call about somebody suspicious, if I'm not mistaken, and then he just happened to be there. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. <sighs> you please, I tell you. I mean, it's not, it's not that all the police are bad, but y'all ones who handle these kids, these cases, oh, sorry, being being involved in these situations, ah, damn. But anyway, and then uh, we had the verdict for 
Ahmaud Arbery's uh, killers happened. Was that yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yesterday or the day before. And they got him. They got him. They got him. They got him. And they got him. Justice? They got it ass. They got it ass. They got that ass. I mean, I don't know if this is a celebration seeing as how, you know, he did get gunned the fuck down. Yeah, they they said it right. It was a a modern day lynching. I mean, justice would have been they never confronted him and he never got killed. But Hmm. I guess this is, you know, some modicum of resolve for the family at the very least. That his killers are gonna go to jail. Yeah, now we just wait for the verdict and see, see for how long. Because right. I think the guy who recorded everything, he got the less, the lesser sentence of the, of the uh, out of all three of them. So he probably won't do as much time. Yeah, and, and we talked about this before, and it, and it still shocks me that the reason that the video even came out was because the guy who recorded it figured that if he. Sh- Show the video, it would admonish them. And it would it would prove that they're not guilty of any wrongdoing. I got evidence against us. I think when you see this, it will show that we acted in in, in the right here. Okay, let's look at it. Ooh. <laughs> Y'all did this? But, you know, shout outs to the jury for understanding that what they did was a crime. Yeah. And the fact that I think when they, they were cross-examining uh, the son, the, uh, the prosecutor, I guess you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, the prosecutor asked him, did he pose a threat to you? Yeah. No. No, because he didn't. What, what, you know, was, he, you know, was he doing anything wrong? No. They asked me these, these little series of questions, and he just said no to everything. Because in all actuality, he wasn't posing a threat. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He was yeah, just jogging. He, he was day. running. Because they saw a nigga run, they were like, "Oh, he must be doing something wrong." See, yeah, they they saw him in the house, and then they saw him run. It's like, "Oh, time for that citizen's arrest." Billy, get the gun. We gonna get us a nigger. Yeehaw, Paul. It didn't go down like that, but in my mind, that's maybe how they might talk. Yeah, I don't think that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, like you said, are any of these really well? Elijah McCain and Ahmaud Arbery situation, are these really victories in a sense? Is You got to take the good with the bad, you right. know, and keep them rolling with the punches and hopefully laws get changed. And when they say to defund the police, they, you know, have a plan as to how they want to address a situation like this. Because in Elijah McCain's situation, if they had somebody trained properly, they could have saw he, was, he wasn't a threat. And yeah, I mean... A lot of places are rolling out new initiatives where they have social workers and mental health workers and caseworkers mm -hmm. that go to these police callings as opposed to the guys who know how to shoot folks. Right. So we'll see how that works. Maybe it'll get to a point where it's widespread and we can have a more equitable society. Hopefully. Well, shit, we can't get people who didn't get COVID shot. So that's a whole other story. I'm sorry. So... What else we got going on? So November is Men's Mental Health Month. So, so even though we at the end of November, we still want to touch on a couple of things uh, regarding you know mental health and you know what to look for, you know how to address it, and I guess where you can go to get some help if you can. So, I guess the uh, first question we got to ask is uh you know how do 
How do we handle our mental health? So, Stefan, when you get into a pickle with yourself, how do you, you know, address those thoughts and feelings? I'm not a good example to go by. Why is that? I don't get into a pickle with myself. <laughs> so that I don't have depression. So that I don't have, you know, depressed moments. I don't really get anxious. Mm-hmm. I am. So I guess that's a mental health issue in and of itself that I'm so even killed, regardless of the Ain't situation. Ain't no wrong with him. He won't take the drugs. <laughs> so that, that I am so even killed, regardless of the situation, because it's probably something in and of itself. But you know, your personality disorders are a bitch. <laughs> so, uh, but again, so I'm not a great example because that's how I handle these things. It's just by I don't care. Well, I think for me. Uh, well, I've never been diagnosed with anything anything regarding mental health. Anxiety or... Well, let me ask you this. What's the difference between a panic attack and an anxiety attack? Are those the same or... I mean, well, those depend on the situation and the severity of the attack. Okay. So they they can be similar, but they're not quite. The situation determines which one it, which one it is, whether you're having a panic attack or an anxiety attack. Well, I, I thought about... I thought about anxiety and I remember one time I got into a car accident. And when I got my car back and was driving again, I was, I used to, when I used to work, when I used to work, I had worked nights from like 3.30 to 12. So when we got up to 12 o'clock, I hit the, the highway to get home and it was very, very dark outside. And the highway, you know, it's, it's barely lit. Like as like, you know, street lights like every so often. So the only thing I had for me, for my visibility was just my headlights and Maybe some light here and there, and I can remember just because of that accident, I was like really, really tense, and just like was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, like every little movement I made or someone made flying by me, it just it had just uh like another level of uh maybe panic in a sense or just like kind of just being scared. Cause plus, I think it was snowing too, or it, it was like lightly snowing, so it was like, oh my god, these conditions aren't good. I can't barely see. I just want to get home, and then when I finally got home, I was like. Shh. So that's one time I think I, I can think of that where I had like some kind of anxiety issue. Mm-hmm. If I was being depressed, I've had my moments where I've been sad, you know, given like what's going on with me health wise and just like dealing with like the doctors or, you know, trying to get approved for insurance, things like that. Like I've always had, I've had a kind of moment where like, <sighs> like, you know, when I'm gonna, when I'm gonna get, when is this going to go through? I'm going to get it done. But when I think about depression, I don't think that I've, you know, had, had like a long stint in depression. Especially when you think of, when I think about like how depression is, is presented, when you look at movies, they show somebody you know kind of like laying in bed all day long. Yeah, but eating, that's not, not really depression though. Yeah, that's just how they characterize it, so that you can see in in that show or movie that someone is depressed. Depression can look like a whole lot of different things. You can yeah. see a person making that normal all day, happy, cheerful, but they be severely depressed. So you can't really tell what depression is. I mean, you can see some different changes in person's behavior, you know, a, a really negative, sad affect, but that's not always the case. Yeah. And I think, like like you, I've always been an even kill kind of person. But I, I, you know, I'm not terribly sad one moment and happy the next or go through, you know, kind of you know, mood swings in that, in that sense. But also, I also haven't felt the need to go get diagnosed and see if I have, if I suffer from anxiety or depression because I don't have these feelings all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, if something happens, it's like, hmm. and then I, I, and I go about my business. Or, I've learned to, you know, talk, talk my problems out with people that I trust, like, 
I talk to my mom a lot. If I something's going on, a couple of close friends, you I rely heavily on when something's going on, just get your input on things. And you won't ever give me advice per se, but you present you present the, you present me the choice in a way that makes sense for me to you know to kind of you know to either move forward or take a step back altogether. Right. So thank you for that. Yeah, not a problem. That's what I do. What, one of the things I went to school for. Oh, that's right. You do have a was it minor in psychology? Yeah. So do you use that to your everyday? I don't say I don't say everyday advantage, but do you use it? You know, to cope with anything, or is that how do you do you read people very well because of that? To a degree. I mean, one of the reasons that I got into psychology was because I wanted to understand myself mm-hmm. because of the fact that I, f- I felt like I was a lot weirder and a lot different in, other, in everybody else. So I got into psychology to try to understand me. And it, then it helps to understand people because, you know, my focus in that degree field was clinical therapy and, you know, behavior modification. And I would have gotten a degree in it, but they wanted you to do a semester of an unpaid intern and I said fuck that <laughs> but yeah <laughs> <You need> no, <laughs> money <laughs> right but yeah but it said it, it's oh. it's not so much helping oh. with the coping but under you know it said helping to cope with situations but understanding the mentality behind it and you know why people feel the way they feel because again that was you know part of the reason was that understanding of why certain behaviors exist, why people feel a certain way about things. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, it kind of helps me to not so much relate, but to understand and have some some degree of uh, of a sympathetic response to these types of things. Okay. So in the last three years of me, me being on dialysis, would you, how would you, I guess, like characterize my balance or my behavior in the last couple of years, if you could? How can, can we put this gingerly? Gingerly, <laughs> no, no, I'm messing with you. No, no. It said, truth be told, you have been more, I'm not going to say upbeat, but more positive about the situations because you've been on dialysis and you've been having a shit ton of issues dealing with, you know, the insurance so that you can get put on to transplant lists. But you've been far more upbeat about the situations. There's other areas where I can see that needs some work, especially when it comes to like interpersonal relationships. But that's a completely different story. But at least from the, as far as the, the you know the medical situation goes, you've been very upbeat about it. We've had phone conversations when I can feel that you know that that energy has taken a dip, mm-hmm. but it, it it remains at a, a pretty high level in comparison to someone else who's in would be in a similar situation. Well, thank you. That, that, that's that, that's like a lot of a common consensus, I guess, is the word that I get from a lot of people that may not talk to me in, the, in the quite a few in a while, and I tell mm-hmm. them what's going on, and they're like, "Oh man, you're so positive, you know, you you're really upbeat, like you know, it's infectious, you know, and, and you, you're still the same." And I'm like, "Have I changed to a certain extent? I, I think a little bit because I understand what's going on within me and around me, but." There's no point in me being negative and being sad, like, oh, no, I'll never get on the list, or I'll never get this, I'll never get that. If it's the will, uh, I'm going to say God's will, but I'm, I'm, I'm a religious person to a certain extent, but if, if, it's, if it's my path to get these transplants, then I get them. If it's not, then so be it. But we're going to lean towards me getting these transplants so I can live 
you know, uh, a, be- a, a more healthy and a better life. I mean, well, it's sort of that, that, you know, in respect to that mindset is sort of, I guess, the running joke that a lot of people have with me when they ask me how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And they always answer the question before I answer it because they normally say fantastic. Right. Because I would say the only thing I can control is in this life is my outlook on it. So why not be fantastic? And think about when you say that to people, they, it's like, I've seen it. They're like, oh, wonderful myself. You know, like, I'm fantastic right. too, you know. And then, it's a cheery disposition. So, it, you know, it, it, that energy transfers to them. So, for me, I was, somebody says, you know, I'm, I'm not a morning person, not whatsoever. You got five good mornings out of me. So, I belong to my mother, my father, the dog, and two people at dialysis. After that, it's just mumble for me. Oh, I mean, I don't even say good morning to people. I just say, I just announce <coughs> the time of day. Because I'm not going to be so impetuous to think that your morning is going good. So somebody says, good morning. I'm like, morning. Because <laughs> it is morning. <laughs> I don't know whether or not your morning is good. Right. Yeah, because I just, I just, I hate just like saying like, I guess, I guess for me is that I don't, I don't like acknowledging people too many times. Oh. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like hey, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Oh, see, you treat good mornings like I treat text. <laughs> <laughs> you got five good texts out of me, then I'm done. <laughs> That's so true with him. You could test that on a question, and you get, but you got about three follow up questions <laughs> after that, and he's done. So, uh, one thing, I think, I think one thing we when dealing with mental health too, I think how we normalize certain traumas as well. One thing I thought I, I, I wrote down a note in my notes is how we normalize, you know, hood trauma, drug use, gun violence, police violence. You know, how, how do these things have an effect on us? Now, is that a question? That's that a question. Asking? I mean, that's you. You from you you from the hood? That, I mean, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I'm not a great example to ask on how these things have. So when he gets them out the street, then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am out the street. It's not a good example to find to, to ask. But no, it's like, again. But the thing about trauma is, is that everything affects people differently. No, but people are not a monolith in in and of in and of themselves. So we were in a situation where we got held up at gunpoint. Yes. Now think about how you know how we reacted during and after the situation. Each person, each individual that was there had a completely different reactions to the exact same stimuli. So, you know, there's, there's no way to say that, you know, how does, how does this affect everybody? Because we don't know. It has to be on an individual basis. Okay. So in that respect, for me, yeah, I I grew up in the hood. So there was these types of situations all around, but at the end of the day, moving forward, I just kind of brushed it off and it doesn't really affect me in, in my life now. But for somebody else, that's probably a completely different situation. They probably were more involved in it. And where you was, where you saw you were like, you took a distance from it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's only so many times you can run from the cops before that shit just becomes old. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a very true statement. Because I was thinking about, uh, like, gang, not gang violence, but it was, I was watching uh, some special on Vice. And they were talking about how this psychologist, psychiatrist maybe, was talking about how these young men and young women in these neighborhoods in Compton were, you know, were experiencing death at, at such a young age and seeing that, you know, their family members use drugs at such a young age. And was, she she said that, you know, to a certain extent, these kids have a, have a form of PTSD. 
because it's, you know they're seeing traumas and they kind of normalize it like well you know it's it, you know that's that's just uncle so and so you know shooting no drugs or oh yeah I mean it, how, it, it, it most it most certainly happens said people assume when it comes to post traumatic stress that it's only people who've been in like active combat or something but it, the the thing about post traumatic stress is, is that if you consistently been a part of traumatic incidents you can develop PTSD, regardless of whether or not you've been in a war zone. I agree with that 100%. So hopefully the hood gets better. I mean, the thing about hood trauma is that it's not really just in the hood. Those types of situations happen everywhere. Now, you just expect it to happen in the hood. That's why you called it hood trauma. <laughs> but it, honestly, this type, those types of things happen everywhere. You're right about that. It doesn't just happen in black communities. Right. It's everywhere. So how how should one address their their mental health? Are they feeling off or just know they know that something's just not right within them? First and foremost is have someone to talk to. I don't care if it's a cat that you have. have have someone to talk to, something to talk to, to vocalize the way you feel. Mm-hmm. So especially if you know you're feeling severely depressed, you're feeling suicidal. Call somebody. I'm, I'm guaranteeing somebody would rather have a be annoyed by a phone call from you than be annoyed and saddened by having to attend your funeral. So again, have something or someone to talk to. And if that doesn't work, reach out to a mental health professional. Seek professional help. But at the very least, have someone to talk to to unload these situations. Mm-hmm. And don't only call that person to only unload. Because again, the thing about... PTSD is that you can get it secondhand. So if if I only call you to unload all of my trauma onto you, right. I, I am in turn help, helping you to live my trauma. And so mm. you can be affected by that as well. So, you know, don't only call somebody because you're feeling depressed and sad and you need to talk. Call them for that, but, you know, call them with good things as well. You know, balance it out. That's very that's, that's a very good point because uh, one thing I, I, I try to tell myself is that I'm pouring out to you unless you pour into me. And, you know, so whether, whether that's good or bad, it's like it needs to be a flow of a, a flow of both, going both ways, mm. you know, not just... Oh man, they were shitty. Da, 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 da. But I also try to like try to you know, hey, this is this is what good has happened, and then I also try to I also try to make sure that when I'm when I'm talking to somebody, ask them what's going on with you, how are you doing? Because you know I, I might have a lot on my plate, but I also want to know how how you know that person's doing as well. Right. Now, the one question I got for you is that I know I know for you a lot, quite a few people that you know unload on you. How do you deal with that weight or you don't let it affect you at all of that person? I scream into the void. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, grant, say granted that, again, one of, one of the things that I went to school for, my focus was clinical therapy. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of used to it. And I guess people see that in me. Mm-hmm. That said, that whole he's a good listener. He he has decent suggestions and can kind of veer me to the right path. But again, that's not inaccurate. That's not inaccurate. But then again, I, I say that that's what makes me a great therapist is because I am completely removed okay. from it, said from the situation, both you know physically and emotionally. So I, I am since I am so detached from it that I can have a very objective view of these things. 
That's true. But again, I'm not a great example. <laughs> so we didn't get a better example from the streets here. If you want to come on the podcast and you got some, you know, uh, some certificates of you being a therapist or psychiatrist, it can, you know, better answer, be a better example than this fellow over here. We <laughs> just welcome you. Care. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but, but that's that's just me. But again, it works for me it, to keep myself distant because it, it, you know, if I was so emotionally invested, then you know that secondhand feedback that I was talking about earlier would be something that I would fall prey to a lot. Yeah, there are quite a few people who unload on me. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking about that, and I was like. Well, how do you, how someone, like, who kind of, who, who treats a therapist? You know, who, who, ther- who therapists the therapy? A lot of therapists do have therapists. Yeah. It was a, it was a great show on, uh, on HBO where they would, they would show like a, a therapist going through different patients and then he had a therapy, therapist himself. And I was like, huh. You know, like, kind of like, well, you know, I would know, I just didn't expect it that time, you know, looking at the show and everything. But it makes perfect sense, yeah. though. A lot of like therapists you, have therapists. Yeah, you, like how can you take on that that weight and know how to deal with? Like you said, like you can't get so close to it. Like you think learn how to distance yourself to a certain extent. So, well, you do a good job at it. <laughs> so after this many years, I think I perfected my version of it. Yeah, <laughs> right. And then also, you know, I'm gonna have the suicide prevention number at the bottom of this, so people can, you know, if, you, if you feel like you having those those type of ideations, suicidal ideations call because those those types of things are fleeting and it's and another thing that people might want to get into especially people who are severely depressed or anxious write stuff down write the way you're feeling and in the moment down because once you start to write once you get it out you'll you'll find yourself starting to calm down so that, and that that's a that's another me- coping mechanism that you could utilize writing things down. You know, I, I agree with you hundred percent. And I think you know finding somebody to talk to, whether it be like I said, be, it can be a plant, a cat, but somebody you trust, even if they don't have the answers per se, but just kind of getting off your chest and not holding it in and having it bottled in, it, 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 saying something just be, beats better doing nothing. So I mm-hmm. I agree with that and. And I will add on to that when you when you're talking to someone, don't expect someone to have the answers because that'll get you in a situation where you're looking at that person like, oh, you've steered me wrong because you didn't tell me what I needed to do. Don't expect someone to have the answers for you. The answers will come to you as you you know let stuff go and get stuff off your chest. But don't expect the person that you're talking to to just have all the answers. Right. Because with our friendship, as us being friends with over 20 years. Before I come to you for something, with something, I'll just put everything out there from the beginning to the end of it, the good, the bad, what I could have did, what I did do wrong, what I could have did better. And then it's like, okay, let me present this to, let me, let me call Stefan and maybe see if I was in the, going in the right direction or if I need to take a step back or let me, let me, maybe look from a different perspective altogether, you know, cause I want to, I want to feel like, you know, I'm right. I was right. In a situation where it's like, well, shit, you could have been wrong, right? So, and I think every, I think, and everybody should, you know, should talk to somebody. I do have a friend uh, who I won't say, you know, she don't listen to the podcast, but she need to talk to some god- goddamn body, and she just keeps a lot of shit bottled in, and it's like, why? If you talk to somebody, you would learn how to deal with situations better instead of just self medicating and you know popping a pill or edible or smoking some weed or drinking. And thinking that okay, I'm 
I'm feeling good. My problems are going away, but in all actuality, haven't. So right. And if you are someone who self-medicates, I would say just be careful with that because that can be a, a long, dark road going down, and the recovery can be even longer because then you develop and so you, know, you develop some kind of addiction. Yeah, and and if you're in a situation where you're always, always having problems, then you always <coughs> need your medication, quote unquote. Right. So that that's a that's a dark, a dark, dark path. No one needs to go down. Yes, indeed, because alcoholism, drug abuse are are very real things. Very much so. So in the you know I guess to wrap up things with you know Men's Mental Health Month, it's okay to say you're not okay. It's okay to get help. It's okay to talk. It's okay to express feelings that you have. It's okay just to, I guess, you know, to cry, to say I need help. And, and, you know, any and everything you can think of, I guess, with some way to say, hey, I I need to talk to you or I need to talk to someone. It's okay. Right. Yeah. So we live in a society that emasculates men who have feelings, but every human has feelings. So if you have feelings, feel them. (laughs) <laughs> and don't be afraid to feel them because of the fact that you think that it's emasculating or it makes you less of a man. It makes you more of a man to understand your feelings. Ooh, that's a word. That's a gem. Put that. You got. You got put that. You got to put that here. <laughs> right, right at the bottom. Yeah. Since, Say it uh, again. It makes you more of a man to understand your feelings. Ooh, touch my soul. I mean, that's the only thing that's giving me warmth in the basement. So with that being said, uh, sign us out, Stefan. All right, so that's the show. As always, you can check us out on YouTube, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So thank you for watching the show. Thank you for listening. And make sure you like, comment, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Peace out. Peace.